Welcome to the Divorce Devil Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Rachel. Follow us as we dive into all the positive and negatives of post-divorce recovery. Stay tuned for some real and sometimes raw end-of-the-road divorce topics. Please put on your big pants because we're full of honesty, authenticity, and irrefutable truths. This progressive podcast ain't for the faint-hearted. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody out there, to Divorce Devil episode 105. 105. Uh, we have Don Diaz. Yes. Yes. Got it. I was right. You were right. I was right. Uh, she has a book coming out in January called The Shit No One Talks About Tells You About Divorce. So it's coming out in January 2023. Uh, her publicist reached out to me a couple months ago, and we love having Don on the podcast. And we got a couple of questions for us, but tell us a little bit about yourself, Don, first. Um, I'm a writer. I live in the Sacramento area. And um, I've been writing for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And I kind of tackle subjects that seem like really ridiculous. And then I kind of try to humanize them and come at them from a funny angle. I especially like so that. I did, my first book was How to Train for a Marathon if You're a Lazy Person. And, <laughs> right up our alley. Um, that went well. Not the training, but the book. <laughs> and then I had a kid, and I thought, oh, this is something I can write. <laughs> and so I wrote a series of books called The Shit No One Tells You. And they were about, you know, babies and parenthood and all that stuff. And then I got divorced. <laughs> Welcome. And we ended up here. Right. So that's kind of brought us to present day. Well, we are so excited to have you on here because I was looking at some of the things and I love how your narrative was, you know, 12 years together, two children, 10 pets, five properties, trying to figure it all out. And I think that's what our podcast does. We, everybody's story is different of why you're divorced, how you got to where you are and just trying to um, navigate this new event. We say adventure because every day is an adventure. Definitely. Um, and, you know, especially when you have basically written about your life, I guess this was your next step to say, hey, you know, here's what I'm going through. If someone can laugh for a moment through this really difficult time, you know, let's have at it. So I think some of the key yeah, points. This was definitely this most serious book that I've written. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of an interesting one to tackle because I have a, a kind of a brand of being funny. And this is a decidedly not funny topic, but I do think that you have to keep a sense of humor, right? And a lot of the humor of divorce is just like the utter ridiculousness of it and your mental state and just the chaos and everything. And I kind of wrote it to people who are, I said, I wrote it to, I wrote it to people in the meantime. And the meantime to me is that time between it, when everything blows up and when you finally feel settled in your new life. And my friends would tell me at the very beginning, because they were like a couple years ahead of me, they would be like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. Like, logically, I know that. But like, what the fuck am I supposed to do in the meantime? You know, like, <laughs> what do I do 
in this meantime. And so this book is written kind of for those people who are still in that chaos and yeah. craziness and emotional turmoil of that meantime. It's sort of like, there's not really much I can offer you other than like, just keep going. It's going to get better. I promise you, you know, I promise you it's going to get better. And in the meantime, let's like, have some laughs and oh, definitely. Let's read out loud our ex's text to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that some of the some of the most interesting parts is that we have a few notes on you from your publicist, and we we actually agree on quite a few points. Yeah, uh, the point on journaling. Um, Rachel is a huge journaling. Oh yes. yeah, she's a she's a huge journaling. So can you speak to that for us? Well, I talked to like a ton of people before I started actually writing as more of a way to kind of put off the actual writing. But I was also trying to find like kind of a through line in everybody's story and everybody's divorce story. I, I think there's, you know, I have my own story, but that's not really that. It's not going to speak to your story. So I, was, I just talked to a bunch of people, a bunch of divorced people and kind of heard their stories and figured out you know, the the base of what we all went through and the base of that emotion. And, but I kept telling them, you know, I haven't started writing yet because I'm trying to, cause I started writing this book. I was only like maybe a year and a half out from my divorce. And I still was not exactly in my Zen spot, but I was like, I know enough about writing that I know I'm going to write this. And it's going to come out in a year. And I know that in a year I'm going to be in a different place. So I need to get my head on straight and get in the right head space so that I don't write every single chapter with the title, fuck you, you fucking fuck. And I was like, well, maybe there's something there in having some chapters called fuck you, you fucking fuck. And so throughout the, the book, there's chapters called fuck you, you fucking fuck. And they're all like rage journal chapters, you know, they're, they're like, Hey, the rest of the book is like, let's be zen, let's be evolved, let's get therapy. And then there's these chapters, it's like, let's just rage yeah. all over the paper. And don't show it to anyone, don't give it to anyone. Just rage and get it out and let it be and like leave it there. So this is one of those books where we are just going to gift it to all of the people that we know that are going through and saying, I don't know that there, I guess this can be the divorce journal, you know, like, Hey, here's some things that you need to get through and get settled. And it's like you said, we're not going to have the same story. And my journaling is generally like, how am I not going to throat punch someone today? How, what, what's the positive of my day? And, you know, I do have a great network of friends and I know you talk about tribes and getting all that stuff, but Uh, when you're in the middle of it, yeah, in the middle of it, you're like, fuck you, you fucking fuck. What the fuck? You know, so, and then. That's okay. I think it's important to like acknowledge that, that you're going to have periods and times. And even after you think you've like moved on, something will trigger you. Oh yeah. And then you're right back into fucking you fucking Fuck. And so <laughs> I think it's important yeah. to like lean into that, rage it out. Yeah. And then leave it there. Yeah. Keep it moving. And I think journaling does that too, because I know we've had a, a guest on before with like cutting the cords and then write it down and then burn it or do whatever. With journaling, it's still your story. You can decide to rip that page out after you did it, but it's not staying dormant in you and you're not. Um, festering it. And so it doesn't come out as a throat punch or a 
shut the fuck up. I don't want to yep. deal with you right now. And, you know, I want to keep my job or, you know, I have, chi- we have children together. So there's a lot of things that, you know, in between the lines of fuck you, you fucking fuck are, oh, I've healed a little bit today. I didn't call you a fucking fuck to your face. Yeah. I just told my friends I mean, that you are. Really or, point, yeah. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Yeah, no. Yep. And you have to it's just spinning wheels. Yeah. And we're trying to be adults here. <laughs> Trying. Trying is the key word. But, yeah. So, what about the uh, squad, the uh, village? We talk about village. Yeah. You say squad. Yeah. Um, our village is really re- really important to us. I mean, it's super important to have. And it's, yeah, and it's me, important to it pick those people. Go ahead. Well, I had a village before all of it. And um, I left my marriage in... I think it was June of 2020. So it was like a Yay, COVID. Super, uh, time. <laughs> yeah. It was a very isolating time to be going through something where you really needed a village. And so my village was called upon, you know, a lot of text messages. My, my friends, we did a lot of zoom calls. You cool. know, my girls were like, let's do it. And they throw on the pajamas, grab some wine and then zoom and drinking. Yeah, there we go. Oh yeah. There's that Marco and, Polo thing. Um, a lot of my girlfriends were, girlfriends would be like, I'm in the tub. I'm in my closet. I'm in here. I'm in there. Where are you at? Okay. And then we'd all just meet on Marco Polo. So that was definitely a big, you know. Yeah. I mean, you. I say in the book, too, like, there's an extent when the friends are kind of tapped up. And that's when you got to move to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, your friends are officially done listening to your shit. But I don't know, there's such value in having people that know your story, they know your shit, and you don't have to like give them the whole story. Yep. You know, or you start a podcast and write exhausting. a book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you, you start, start a podcast, podcast and, or write a book. Or write a book. <laughs> Some therapies exactly. are, you know, cheaper than others. Like, I don't know what it costs to write a book, but just, I, you know, doing a podcast is free for me because David pays for everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that and shit's going to end soon. <laughs> what is what is being a Disneyland dad? What is what is up with that? Yeah, is that a is that a bad or good thing? Well, I used it in the context of like you know sometimes um, it's a it's it's usually put on dads, but it's a Disneyland parent, right? There's the idea, this idea of this parent that shows up and they're like, "Oh, let's go to Disneyland and here's a present." And here's this because they only show up every three weeks or okay. Oh, okay. okay. And so you put it on the show for your kid because you're trying to, I guess, overcompensate for the, the lack of presence the other days. And you really think that like this Disneyland trip is going to make up for not being present. But I think how it applies in divorce is like me and my ex both became, and me and my ex are great parents and we have 50, 50 custody and there's nothing about our parenting that would mean or make it so that we need to be like dancing for these children. But in like aftermath of the divorce, I think we were both just like on our A game, you know, and we're coming at it. And I think a lot of it for me was it just kind of trying to tap dance around this grief I had for having lost him 50% of the time. But it definitely felt like Disneyland dadding where I would just be like, let's craft, let's do this, let's go here, let's go here. And like the first summer (laughs) we had, my kids like, never were there two children more ready for quarantine. Like they're all in with doing nothing. Like being yeah. in pajamas for six months. Yeah. They're all right. Awesome. Well, they don't want to go anywhere. They love yeah. our house. They love being together. And so 
the first summer we had together, when we were split up, we each had two one-week sections of time for them with them. And both of us planned these like two trips, two one-week trips. So these kids were gone for four weeks oh my in the summer. And normally we would do like one trip to the beach, call yeah. it a summer. The rest of the time we're just chilling in our house. They love being home. <laughs> the end of the summer, my son, who does not like school at all, was like, Mommy, when is school starting? Because I am so Damn. tired of going places. <laughs> like this boy was like, I am done with this. And then I just realized this is so stupid. Like I'm dancing for these kids and I don't need to. Yeah. So Wow. And I think I what they want to is Yeah, I think what they want to is just that time with the parent because it's so different. And I kind of took it a little different because um I when I left my marriage, um, you know, my social economics was like high, super high. Could do all this stuff, had the cars, had the vacations, had the stuff, went to having $27 in the bank and not knowing that's what I had. And so dad still did a lot of the grandiose things because he was still making the money that he had a little less because COVID and all that stuff and not working. But I felt like I wasn't able to do as much, even if it was like, oh, I'm taking him to Waterworld, which is our big water park around here, or to Elages, or I'm taking him to the mountains. And I'm like, I don't have gas money. I don't, I don't have that. So I think if one parent is doing that Disneyland dance steps that we're talking about, the other parent can feel really shitty. And I think I felt, a, a, you know, for about six months, I was like, I can't go to the beach. I can't go to the actual Disney World. Like when I lived on the East Coast and was married, I went to Disney World like four times a year and I couldn't do that. I couldn't take them to the beach. I couldn't take, we lived things. in Jersey. And so like we would go to the beach all the time or we'd go to North Carolina for a vacation. I couldn't do any of that. So it was, and then of course COVID, I was also getting divorced during COVID and um, you know, that I I think I did that too. Like I, we definitely craft ourselves out. We bike, we went bike riding. We did all the things, and <laughs> it was me feeling bad that I couldn't do what Dad was doing. But I don't think Dad was intentionally going. Well, I think it was more he just does not like to be home, and he wants to be doing stuff and planning things. Where I'm like, okay, I'm fine being Is home. It? Let's watch movies. Let's watch you know that Netflix ourselves to death to the point to the point where like I never want to watch TV again. You know so. I, I took it like, you know, one parent may not feel adequate in after the divorce because you divorce really does change your lifestyle. And so, yes. you know, and I was super lucky because it didn't change my economics much. We were lucky in that when we split, we kind of each made the same amount of money. And that's right. a huge issue for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but I do think that even in that case, I would look at what she was doing and be like, Oh, well, then I got to do something. And these kids don't care. Yeah. Like, my kids don't. My kids don't care if they're going to the beach or if they're staying home watching Netflix. Like, they would rather, and I think most kids would just rather have your time yep. than mm-hmm. be, like, wooed with and all I, this stuff. So yeah. it's an insecurity on our part. Exactly. I'm not sure this backed up by the actual children and what they need or want from you. Well, what COVID did for us is actually gave us our families back, right? Because we were so busy. Like my son plays three sports. He does this. He's at his, like you said, you lose your child half the time. So I went from a full time seeing my kid every day to 
what do I do now? And then like becoming, okay, so when he comes, we're going to do this. Da, 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 da. And he's like, I want to play video games with my friends. I'm like, no, you got to spend time with me because I've been seeing you for three days. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah. uh, okay, I don't want to go for a bike ride. Uh, I don't want to do this. And so it gave us our families. I think we had to work on ourselves too, because, you know, seven, eight hours a day, we're not with them. You know, they're with their teacher. Yep. With the, I became the teacher. I became the this. I, be, You know, and when they were doing school at home, you're like, what? I'm not smarter than a third grader. What just happened? And so I think, you know, going through COVID, going through divorce at the same time, I actually lost my job because I was a school nurse. And if there's no kids in school, you can't school nurse. So I was looking for another job that was, oh, well, we're not going to hire you because we have to test you for COVID. You have to be out of work for two weeks, but we have to pay you while you're doing it. So it was this whole big bumble fuck, basically. And so a lot of places weren't hiring nurses because you're either in the system or not but yet you can go travel to another state and work so there was a lot of times where i didn't feel like i was being a good parent but now i look back i'm like i spent time with my kid we like actually played video board games and we played card games and we you know did all this stuff like made made like living room forts what you know so it's almost like i got my childhood back because my child was stuck home stuck home because i feel like that's what he thought oh i'm stuck home with this lady again um but i felt that i wasn't providing like i did before because i was used to like the grandiose vacations and going to different you know going somewhere you know and so it really was hard to change that you don't have to give them the world you need to like show them that you're their world i saw it from a different standpoint I've been divorced 12 years, so I'm the old fart. Yep. And so my kids are grown now, but they were in high school and junior high back then. So I did have them 50% and I felt guilty after a year or two because we would do week on, week off chains on Sunday night. So I have them for a week. They go home. They go to her place for a week. It got to the point. I couldn't wait for those little fuckers to leave. <laughs> I felt so bad. There are people. There, there's times where so like, bad. Yeah, because I was so used to having them, not having them. So it became my. There's another sounding board in the yeah, house, though. Yeah. So when oh that's God. gone, your mom, yeah. dad, you know, your co-parent, yep. your you know, whatever you're you're you are, it's you have someone who's like, I have a headache today. I can't parent, so you put it on your spouse. Oh yeah, 100%. or you put it on you know just. Just having someone else there is that different thing. And then you're like, I'm so tired. I've had them for a week by myself. Okay. You know, and it, you should be used to it, but you don't realize how much having another person in your household it's brutal. can give you a little bit of peace. Hey, I need to go to the bathroom by myself, not have seven kids looking at me. Hey, and, how are you? And I have you three know. kids, not oh. two, three. Oh, so, stop yeah. it. Just stop. Yeah. Three's just like two. No, it? no, no. Three is exponential. <laughs> three too but they're spaced out so we went and did the two two three schedule which is like really complex whenever anybody asks me if i'm free i'm yeah. like i send them a screenshot of my color-coded schedule yeah I'm like yellow days i'm free on yellow days because it's like i can't even tell you i'm not even free every tuesday monday tuesday is like every other monday it's just a cluster yeah every time we, and my kids are only 11 and 9 okay and so they were like eight and six or so when we split mm-hmm. and we weren't ready to be away from them for, you know, longer than three or four days at a time. And then also we were like, I don't really, cause there was a, a schedule called two, two, five and you yeah. have them 
your longest is five days. And I'm like, that's what I, I have from five days. And then also, I don't think I want them with me for five days. <laughs> like, that's Hello. That's Hello. That's what I had too. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> what I have. So on my weekends, I'll have them five days, but. I love you guys, but damn. I love you, but I need, to, I need to breathe. Yeah. Get out of my bubble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot. And it's nice to kind of, I, every two days, I'm like, okay, I'm going to now rest up. So I don't feel so bad. Self-care is not selfish. We say all the time. You need to self-care so you can help take care of other people. But if you don't have self-care, we're all sinking. (laughs) We're screwed. Especially during divorce. When you are literally sinking. And you don't know what you're... you're, Yeah. And I think when you're going through divorce, like any grief, you don't know when that wave of emotion is going to hit you. Something's going to trigger you. A song, like we say all the time, a song, someone says something, you know, you're having a traumatic trigger from your childhood. Like you don't know when all this stuff is going to happen. And your kid might need you when you're about to have a break and you're just like, I don't know what to do. And so it's really is. Suck it up. You know, go ask, go ask, you know, go ask that other person or go play with your sibling, even though you want to fight, whatever. Um, But I think we we tend to feel guilty if we're not doing enough, but then you feel like you're not taking care of yourself. Like I stopped eating and started drinking too much when I was going through my divorce. And I say it all the time. I've, I had an alcoholic mom and my dad didn't help because he did like to drink too. Um, and I felt myself going down that path of this is excessive. So what's important? And the only thing I could think of is I don't want my kids to have the mother that I had and I need to break that and I need to make it, you know, all work. And so it really, you're trying to learn this new thing. And I think this bring, uh, brings you into, you know, the new tasks you have around the house, filling those, those voids of silence and, you know, not just replacing new stuff, but making new things your own. And how do you integrate that into your new thing? And, and how do you, um, what do you write about in the book that says, hey, I got to replace half my stuff. But I didn't really like all that stuff because he he or she did. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah, I, it's kind of I get into like it's the the minor details of it's little tiny details that pop up that are just like the straw that breaks the camel's back thing where you're standing in your kitchen. And you're like, I don't have a can opener. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, because you <laughs> your teeth. Hey, 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 no yeah. using teeth. Oh, don't. David's a dentist. He don't want you using your teeth. Use a screwdriver with a hammer and it just yeah. break it open. No? Yeah. What about. Uh, you got to a point. You're a grown ass person who had a can opener and you had an actual place to sit for dinner. And now you don't have either one of those. And you're like, I have to now go buy this stuff and go. It's. And for me, financially, it wasn't a huge issue, but it was just, oh, I have yep. to rebuild this life that was yeah. already built, yeah. you know? And so it's just the details like that. And that can piss you off sometimes. You're like, oh, I really, I bought that can opener. I want that fucking can opener. Yep. It was a KitchenAid one, and it really worked well, and I didn't have to struggle trying to figure out which way the thing... Trust me, we've had... Can you tell I've had that happen? Mine was a wine opener. I had the electric wine opener. You know, you had it on the little stand. I could, oh, now I had to go buy one from the, the liquor store that Stick pops into the hole. And, and you got to turn it because I didn't want to spend any more money than I need to. And it was like 98 cents. Yay. 
Now I have the electric no. one. It has a little opener, has the little paper, you know, the foil fancy. opener, fancy kind, you know. So making me own money. Hey, Don, <laughs> what does your book say about dating? Oh. Oh, I have several chapters. Oh, damn. <laughs> because they are definitely the most entertaining chapters. Oh. I never dated women until I dated my ex and then basically married my ex. X and I, I do not recommend marrying the first person you date. <laughs> Seriously? Come on. <laughs> Good thing David's had a lot of practice. <laughs> Sorry. So the second, the, want, the first time or second me. time? We're not going to talk time. about me. We're not yeah. going to talk about me. No. <laughs> I headed out in the middle of a pandemic, starting to date women for the first time. And so I was like on apps and stuff. And that has been it. That was my funnest chapter because it's just about the absolute cluster that is dating apps. And I mean, they're nice because I think they're super efficient where you're like, no, 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 no. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think how much time it would take to be at the bar or be at the grocery store that. at the right time or, you know. Wow. There, you know. I feel like, you know, there's certain sp- like places to see people, and it's cold now here, so we're just like, yeah. I don't want to go outside. Yeah. I'll, I'll try dating in the summer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Seasonal. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I don't want your cold. <laughs> I don't want your RSV. Yeah, but sometimes you need a warm body to get warm. Yeah, with. I put a sweater on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, huh? <laughs> I had a rough day at work, so I'm a little, like, aggressive. Gosh, she is, man. She's, she's on it. I think I'm going to sing her a song later. Oh, goodness. Please don't. <laughs> but um, so what would you say the big take from your, your book is? Uh, unfortunately, we don't have it because it's not out yet. Um, and I couldn't read through it. So. But I'm getting it. Oh, I, I know. It's already in my cart. Um, what What's their biggest take on um, your book and, you know, where you are now from when you wrote your book? Like I said, I had the unfortunate experience of writing this book while I was kind of still in the middle Mm -hmm. of my divorce stuff. And I really tried to be really conscious of the fact that I knew that I was going to evolve past that particular moment in time. And I wanted to make sure that I was, I mean, I was right. I know books. I have books that are 10, 15 years old. They're still for sale. And so you want to make sure that you're not like publishing a temper tantrum. Right writing a permanent ink about people that you have to do life with. You know, I still have to raise children with my ex. My, my kids may read this someday. I, my ex is um, engaged now. So I'm having to, you know, co-parent with a third person. And so like, these are all people that are part of my life. They have to do every life, everyday mm-hmm. life with. And it was important to me to like, be really conscious of that, even though if maybe I wasn't completely in the right, I wasn't completely Zen just yet. Yeah. And so, um, I did a lot of writing, rewriting, rewriting, cutting, 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 cutting. I would send stuff to my editor and she'd be like, that's great. We can't use any of that. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So, <laughs> Deformation of characters, like, you know, that. probably. Frowned so upon. you almost wrote two books. Yeah. Yeah. The book is sort of a snapshot of a time in my life. And I think that there's some value in writing from inside the building. Yeah. And because the people reading it are in that space too. And the book itself, my other books were much funnier, just straight humor. And um, this one is kind of all over the place. And I'm writing it thinking like, 
is it too all over the place? And then I'm thinking, you know, that's what, what divorce that is, though, right? Yeah. At that time, yeah, you're all over the fucking place. Yeah, you know, you're some days are funny, some days you're in a heat, other days you're making out with stranger, other days you're, you know, arguing in court. It's yeah. just a lot. Yeah, and so that's what this book is. It's just this kind of everything that you go through during the meantime. Are you officially divorced now? Yes. Okay. Okay. It happened and pretty quick. How far out are you of it? Um, we well, have to wait the six months. So, I think I filed in like October of 2020. Okay. So. Yeah, Mike kept getting pushed off, too, because of COVID. And, like, then the courts closed and all sorts of stuff. So, like, I was supposed to be divorced in, like, March. Went to Vegas to to celebrate or whatever and got kicked out of Vegas because they were shutting down. So, um, and then, and then it happened in July of 2020. And now I'm, like, two years, couple months. And I honestly go back in one of my journals and I'm, like, wow, like, I that's not who I am. Like, but... I had to be that person to get to to where I am now. And I think a lot of times when, you know, like David said, I do journal. And now my journal is how am I bettering me, not my divorce? Because a lot of it is definitely, it's all about the divorce, 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 divorce. Eventually, I'm going to be divorced enough where it's like, oh, I'm, yeah, I just, I'm not married anymore. You know, where I feel like when I say divorce, it's almost like a a check, a red check on your paper. Um you know, oh, that's a point off or this is a point off or, you know, whatever. And now it's like, it's just part of my story. And I think what you've said through, you know, with your book is it's going to be a journey. It, it's, you know, everything comes to. It's going to be shitty. It's going to, it's a yes. roller coaster. It's yes, like yes. grief. You know, you go through all the stages, you get to the end and you, and like we just said, a, you know, a song the other day or someone said something. It's two and a half years for me, 12 for him. And things still trigger you and if you have this guide this book to help you go hey this is normal you are a fucking fucking fuck but <laughs> i've seen past that, that's your gonna fuckery. be the, that's gonna be the next podcast that is you I, are a fucking fucking fuck you're the fucking fuckingest fuck. fuck um but it will get better and if you're willing to put in the work and read the book and journal and do all the things that you know a lot of people that when you're going to the divorce therapist have you know, tell us to do, here's a nice compact little thing to say, Hey, I'm going to do my little, my work and whatever anybody else does, I'm healing, I'm growing. I'm, you know, we're doing a podcast and we have a, you know, an awesome author on here. And I'm like, I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how did I get right to this moment? And I mean, we really appreciate like all the things like, um, when, when you say, Filling newfound silences, I think my head is going all the time about, oh, you're divorced, you're divorced, you're divorced. It's less now. It's, I have, I'm on a, I, we have this awesome guest coming. We're going to learn about new ways of how everybody's story is different. And there's definitely different outlets. Not everybody wants to go to therapy, but they may want to read a book or listen to a podcast or, you know, do all this stuff. So what's your, what's your next step now that you've written, written this book? Um, it's weird to even talk about the book because I feel now, I mean, I'm only two years out, but yeah. like you said, I feel like a completely different version yeah. of myself. I'm, I know I'm a completely different version of myself than when I left and even when I wrote the book about a year ago. And it feels almost like pointless to be talking about at this point because I feel so kind of removed 
from that, I feel like I've, I've moved on. And, you know, the thing with partnering, the thing with divorce with somebody that you have to co-parent with, it's just a whole different thing because like the people that were helping me write the book, my editor would be like, can you include stuff for people that don't have kids? And I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, that's like a whole different experience because I had to leave this person, heal from this person grow we both had to come back to the table and figure out a way to do this the most important job on the planet together and i think that we have gotten to a place where we've kind of put all the bullshit aside and we can i kept saying to her we need to start from today from today from today and like, yeah there's a lot today, of today's last <laughs> every yeah. day but like you get to a point where the past is so far back that you just can't reach it anymore yeah bring it into present day anymore it's like ah screw it it's back there and your view of it is different like even in in five minutes from now like what i you know in divorce the experience you can have the same experience today and tomorrow and just because of that 24 hours you've calmed down you you've analyzed what has really happened and what really triggered you because it's probably not what you're bullshit is right or your drama is and it's probably because you had a bad day at work you had this you know and then you get a text going hey i'm going to be there in 15 minutes two hours later they're like i'm going to be there in 15 minutes and then two hours later you're going to be there in 15 minutes so that because i have to be reliable and you're not now i'm triggered so all these things can be you know what i it's fine i get two hours more with my kid or um if I have an appointment or something, I'm just going to take him with me now. You're going to have to wait for me to do that. So I think now, even with my, you know, communications with not just my spouse, but anybody, I'm like, here's what I need. Here's my solutions. Do you, what's your feedback? And I think that has changed from, no, it's not going to work for me today. <laughs> but Thanks thank for asking. asking. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think this is such a great, there's not a lot of really good divorce books out there. It's, how to get divorced, how to get a good lawyer, how to get what you need, how do you get to this? And I, I'm, I can't wait to read this one because I really feel like we need other outlets of, you know, I'm, I love to shit. write. I love to yeah. journal, not like write, write, but, um, I feel like it's an outlet. And once it's on paper, it's no longer in my soul and I've gotten rid of it. And then I can just go, that doesn't affect me anymore. Tomorrow could a little less. So, Thank you for doing this. And I think yeah, a lot of people much. are going to be, you know, benefit from, you know, some solid like help. Cause you know, David has done divorce recovery and it's a whole cl- like class where you go for what, seven, eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. And that's another thing. Like, <clears throat> it doesn't just have to be, you know, therapy. Therapy is yeah. everybody's own journey, just like divorce. So. Yeah. And they kind of try to figure out, what role you played in this thing and try to figure yeah. out how to be better going forward. And that's a huge step and, and it's not an easy one, but mm-hmm. you're just, the goal is to be better moving forward and to just kind of leave the other bullshit behind and figure out, okay, what lessons can I pull from this wreckage? Yeah. And oh, definitely. The rest behind and not hope that anybody's going to change and become some version of themselves that you need them to be like, except like I always say, lower your expectations. And then go ahead and just lower them a little bit more when it comes to like your realistic expectations. Yeah, but make sure you when you're lowering them, you're not letting the, you know, the 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 scum come in. (laughs) You got to set some boundaries. (laughs) I know. But to me, like I like like you said, you get that text and then you get enraged. Yeah. 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And it would it would 
take me back to a place I didn't want to go yeah. anymore. When I didn't I think, want the person to yeah. have that control over me anymore. Yep. Have that access to my nervous system. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Yeah. You think you've left something behind and you're like, oh, no, this person still has access to my nervous system. And I like that. Access to your nervous system. Yeah. I think when I first started uh, my boyfriend now, I would just say, you're not the boss of me just because someone has been the boss of me for 24 years. And I felt like I didn't have a voice. And that meant something different than what I was projecting. Like I would say, you're not the boss of me. In my head, I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're not the boss of me just because you're my in my relationship. I didn't mean that. That was projected. You know, that was actually about my my past, but I'd be like, you're not the boss of me. And I would say it in a funny manner, but inside I'm going, Oh, why did you say that? You didn't really mean to say that. Um, and so then I would have this whole dialogue with my ADHD brain going, Oh shit, you just ruined that relationship. It's over. You're done. You did it. It's, so it's your like fault. a vicious circle. Yeah. So I had to yeah, stop all the speak. Yeah. I got to like figure it out and you got to leave it, leave stuff behind and move forward and become a better version. And know yourself. that, Anybody new is not your ex. And I... Those poor fools that come into your life. (laughs) Oh, I know. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. This person's broken. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, too, that goes along with the dating. Like, don't marry the first person. Yes. No, no, no. And don't Take get your own advice. don't get a fixer upper. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I'm tired. No fixer uppers. Old for fixer uppers. Well, I wanted Malibu ready. <laughs> I felt like I was the fixer upper of the first person I dated because uh, I was just like using them as a buoy because I was just not healed yet, and I'm holding on to them because they felt good. It felt good to feel good, and next time I'm drowning this poor person because yeah. I hadn't dealt with my shit and I was needing to lean on them too much, and yeah. I'm like, I need to get my stuff together. So I'm a value to somebody yep. else, you know, but know your yeah. worth and bring your potential and your value to the new situation. Bring no matter what it, to the table. I think even my friendships have grown too. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry. I was a shitty friend when I was going through my divorce and I didn't know how to express myself. And I'd be just like, Hey, you want to go out and drink? Cool. Let's go. And then, you know, whatever happened. So I think you value, I think you have to check in with yourself daily, but you also have to check yourself at the door because you're like, oh, shit, I ain't going to put up my own bullshit today. So, <laughs> Well, we want to thank uh, Don for taking time. Hey, oh, my God, this thank is Thank you awesome. very much. Hey. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Thanks for we having everybody reach out. We look forward to looking at the reading the book You can look January. at the book. You should probably read it in journal. It. Listen to it. Yes. Yes. Oh. Audiobooks. David, get yes. your stuff together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> his, his problem is he wears those dentist glasses, so when he reads, it's like this. I can't see what is on the either, page. Either you can smell the page or read the page, yeah. okay? Whatever your, <laughs> your thing is. It, but. But, but thank you, Don, for taking time out of your schedule for talking with us. And uh, any closing words? I always have keep them, keep them short because yeah. you know you're long winded. Again, thank you for doing <laughs> this for all the. I wish I had that when I was going through with yeah. that other stage, and you know, not like I am. You know, a couple years out, it's it, journaling still helps me, but it's different now. It's less aggressive and it's less angry. And look at these. We just have we have you know divorce recovery. We have books out there. We have podcasts. We have comedians that talk about it. Like there's so there's such a this is a village. This is a group of people trying to help other people go through what we went through and not have to just sink into the ditch. And you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And you know go out pre order this book that comes out January twenty third twenty third tenth I think January tenth. 2023 look at that um but yeah so you can pre-order it now and you know hey look she was on our podcast and 
you know, let's get the, get the word out. There's other ways to heal than, you know, drinking and not eating and toxic stuff and being just cynical and angry all the time. So, so. we look forward to, uh, uh, the five year mark, you know, divorce. People tell you shit about divorce every five years. Be, bam, um, bam, bam. Your next divorce five book. Years yeah. yeah. <laughs> five years golden, 10 years diamond. Yeah. Just keep it going. We need new words for the first year is just tequila. Yeah. yeah, and you know, then you know, you know, your kid goes to college. Shit, shit, they don't tell you about college. Oh yeah, you're gonna be busy. They go, yeah, the shit they don't <laughs> tell you about your daughter getting graduating college and still needing money. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don. Thank you very much for your time. All right, guys. Bye, All right. everybody. Love you. Take care. Bye, bye. <laughs>